I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to Unashamed. We were talking before we came on about got funny uh, about how we got here. Yeah, <laughs> and that's we, we responded. Everybody hanging by a thread. So we did, you know, we do two podcasts at a time just to save on gas money. <laughs> we're here, so why not do another? And it, for Jason and I, it's over an hour round trip to come out here. You know, while I was yeah. being educated through man-made materials, you know, at the university I was attending, and they and got a degree or two, couple of degrees, but. If someone had told me, no, there'll come a time when you'll be pontificating with your sons on Jesus and him crucified and raised from the dead, I'd have have said, are you crazy? You you, you know what I'm saying? How would it be possible? Well, I said the same thing. But we responded after the last podcast. It was like we had an invitation song when we responded because I made an analogy because Phil said something, I pushed back on because he was like, it just seems to me now, if I saw a miracle, I would have just opened my mind and said, hey, this, this is the guy. But I said, well, it's not as easy as you think. I think it's a trap because you can't see someone's heart. You form an opinion. Yeah. And I yep. made, I got back to that dating illustration because I said, the girl I dated before meeting my wife could not have been better as a girlfriend as far as just I'm talking about she'd washed my truck. She just was kind and gentle. Everything was like the perfect woman. And uh you're like, well what happened? Well, it was a perfect woman until the guy who she was also with <laughs> there was while a, she was with there was me, some, there was a double life going on. Showed it? up. <laughs> With violence on his mind and telling me the details of their dates were going a lot further than mine. And uh, I was just so shocked that I had been duped. And uh, I made the illustration. I'm glad you were the dead, Jason. I'm just now hearing this story. Yeah. Well, uh, and what I was, my point was, then when I, so I'm like, I'm done. That's it. I'm going to be single the rest of my life. So after that horrible incident. But when I met, you know, my wife, well, it's kind of like the exact opposite happened. Nothing on paper seemed like it would work. She was more sophisticated. She kind of, you know, she went to a, a private school and she was a city girl. And I just, her personality was just kind of, kind of hidden. I wasn't really sure what she was about. I just thought she's never going to, this is not going to work. I, I'm a fisherman and a duck hunter. And, uh, but the more, so really I wasn't pursuing her. We were just kind of friends and maybe a year into it, the heart began to be revealed. And so it was like the exact opposite on the other, you know, I was duped from the outside at all the, the acts of service, you know, if it's too right, I should have known now, if this is too perfect, something's wrong. Somebody lying. (laughs) There's, where's the hook? Where's the travel hook? And so, because really, in reality, well, it came forth. That's for sure. But what's yeah. weird, Jace, is that you and I were kind of like bizarro universe. I never really realized this till we've been on this podcast talking about. Because around the same time you were having these epiphanies, and it could have been not the same time, but could have been after. But I was dealing with the same thing, but in a worldly setting. 
because I had left. I left our family. I left the Lord. I left everything. I was the prodigal, the young prodigal in, in Luke 15. And so in my place I was at, I was having a very similar situation, but a worldly situation. There was this woman, and she seemed perfect, like because most of the people I'd been with were not not very good people. She seemed great. She was older than me. She was, you know, wiser than me. She was, you know, but she had a husband <laughs> that she didn't tell me you know, about. It seems like the same problem. <laughs> I mean, I'll, right. Uh... And so when he showed up with the crowbar one day, you know, and that's when we met. Was it wasn't good? I mean, he 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 beat what me I'm up. He is, beat my car up. <laughs> this happened in the world, and it happened in the church. Right. I mean, this girl that I that duped because me, I didn't know her she, heart. She was claiming to be a Christian, she would invite me out. You know, that's how I met her. It's like she's like, let's have a Bible study, and it was just all a mirage. I mean, she's sleeping with another guy while you know when right. i would leave he would show up right. and it was they weren't having bible studies you know and, <laughs> and i just couldn't believe i was embarrassed i was like how in the world that's a blow there man well, that's I how that's how, i felt the same way just i felt so stupid and so what was interesting you said this a minute ago uh before we came on and because i did the same thing so my reaction was well i'm done with women because obviously i can't figure them out yeah, and so I'm just gonna That's get the same thing. To, uh, Jay said he was. I said the same yeah. thing. So I came home. I got my life right, and I was like, you know what? Paul was single. I said. I the remember same thing. we had a big. Jesus meal. was single. We had the calf, the golden. We had we had the we had the, the fattened catfish. Fattened catfish. We had the fish. celebration. Y'all were very welcoming to me home, which I still appreciate that. And but when I came back, my deal was all right. I'm gonna go out here. I'm gonna go to ULM. I'm gonna build duck calls with Dad. And it's just going to be me and the Lord. So how did you, both of you, so how did, looking back, so what was the thing that held it together with your family and with God? Yeah, y'all both got it, ended right, both repented, whatever. Well, well, in my case, I didn't do anything wrong. I just, except being duped with by this girl. But it led me to make an emotional rash decision, which is, you know, I will. I vow to a life of celibacy. <laughs> I remember saying that. Yeah. I was like, "You almost turned into a eunuch." A eunuch. Right well, there. I just thought, you know what? You might could have pulled I, it I, off. I think I could have, because yeah. like part of being a virgin is you don't know what you're missing, right. and so uh, I think I could have done it. But uh, you know, hey, look, I was attracted to women. I couldn't help it. So uh, well, that was me. So I'd been down that, but I'd been down that road, and so what happened with me was I had to just stay away from them, but. Unfortunately, for the, where I was back in that day, they couldn't. They wouldn't stay away from me, and so you know they kept trying to knife in old girlfriends coming back. And I was like, "No, I've left that." Yeah, I kind of tried to do what you did, Dad. I just tried to hide out down here at the yep. river. But every time I would go in and have interaction, they were after me. And so finally, I just got bold and said, "You know what? There was an old gal that was crazy about me. She seemed like a pretty good girl. She's a little bit younger than me." I'm just going to call her and tell her what I'm into now. And if she says she's on board, we're fixing to take it off, to me and her together. Yep. And that's how I met Lisa. And so, But it was obviously we had a lot of issues. We had a lot of work through but a lot it's of stuff. crazy. We both made a spiritual decision. Yeah. Because I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, I'm going to build the next relationship on Jesus. And, uh, you know, I've shared a thousand times. So I every time I would take a girl after that, 
I mean, as soon as they got in the car, I said, I, I got a speech. And I would give the speech saying, look, I'm only I'm only interested in someone helping me get to heaven. Yeah, well, after if, hearing if you don't that, want to do it, you can leave now. Yeah, after hearing y'all's stories, I would think that they need to make the movie about YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the sequel. Don't man. pick me to make the movie. Y'all make the Maybe movie. Maybe this is going to be the blind two. Yeah. yeah. So so here's what happens. So it's funny, Jace. Blind two and then at the back and number three with Jace. <laughs> that's right. So, so to show you, though, so I had it in my mind. I was clear on what I wanted to do. So I called Lisa up. I mean, this is literally out of the blue. I broke her heart, you know, two years earlier. So I just called her. You talk about bravado, looking back at it. And I call her up. We start talking. And I said, I hear, I hear you're dating some person. Because I'd done a little background. She said, oh, yeah, he's he loves me. He's You know, he wants to marry me. Blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to make me jealous. And, um, and I just said, I said, well, I gave her the same speech, Jace. I said, well, look, I got turned around. I ain't the same guy you knew before. I mean, I'm on the straight and the narrow, and I'm looking for somebody to make the journey. Do you want to go out Friday, and I'll tell you what, what I've been told and what changed my life? And she said, yep. I mean, I don't know what this poor guy, there was a guy yeah, who knows. got weeded out. He yeah. got weeded out. I mean, she she was like, I'm on board with what happened. And literally, that's what started our walk together. And that's 40 years next year. It was year. a blessing to him, too, because if she'd leave that quickly, it wasn't going to work out. Oh, it wasn't going to work yeah. out. He was, she she had to get her life right, too. But Mine it, was but a little I, different. I, we, we just didn't, there was no dating. I mean, we were just kind of friends for really the first year. Right. But now exclusive, like, I mean, I made that clear. I was like, if you're with me, no, you're, no you're, extra you're boyfriend. Me. But it wasn't like we were going out. You know, I talked to her on the phone a little bit, see her at church. That was what it revolved around. Yep. We were exclusive friends. And it was not physical whatsoever. I might have kissed her two or three times. Just a kiss yep. in the first year. I mean, it was not because I had been burned, you know, so I was like, I don't trust anybody. So, uh, but it was re really. And, and it's kind of what we're going to be talking about. The difficulty and the humility gave me some clarity yep. in what's most important. And, uh, you know, we're talking about all this heart, which go back to what started this whole conversation. These people were looking at Jesus from external viewings, which, you know, you remember he just said, he was a friend of sins, uh, sinners and tax collectors, and they're calling him a glutton and a drunkard. And they were just trying to put him in a box, and it's hard to see people's heart. And so Jesus tells that parable of the sower, and he really gets into what makes human beings tick and who they are. But he has the ability to pierce down, way down deep inside of you and show who you really are. And that's what he's trying to get you to do. And so he used this altercation with his mother and his brothers to point people in the direction and give you a glimpse of what heaven is, where that we can be a part of the forever family of God. And that it can always work. And Dad, you made that point. So the we, we talked about this in our overtime, that this this story ends well. I mean, this wasn't a good chapter from Jesus' family. There was there was tension there, and Jesus did. He gave him a wrist slap, Jason. You're right. It was a rebuke. But at the end of the whole story, 
in Acts chapter one, his family was there. They they came on board. Well, yeah, that, James. All family. All this does is prove that Jesus was not. Look, all families have difficulty. They do. And in this moment, even his mom, who's awesome, and and was with him, you know, to the end. They they just they thought he was crazy. That's they right. He he's he's just gone too far, you know. And they you weren't. Got to remember the apostle Paul when he was appointed by Jesus, part of that culture of that day, that culture. When, under the Roman Empire, leading up to the resurrection of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and then you begin to read the books written about it. The Apostle Paul wrote one, and he said, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, and here's what they are about, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Well, these, we're reading about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, before you get, that's Romans 1, before you get to an update and what kind of culture it was in the Roman Empire, it was a wicked place, Al. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It, it was a very wicked place. And, you know, and he goes on to talk about their minds are just twisted. I mean, it's... it's. Well, I, I mean, think it's, and we, we made this whole point. I mean, that, I'm looking at all the fights that Jesus <laughs> got into, and all of the things he did to show them, but you you end up. I mean, and the wrath of God is being revealed. It's it's. I mean, they 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 they're going to collapse as a as a worldwide as the worldwide power, right. and and they did. Yeah. So, but it was a a tough place, point in time. Yeah. I, I, God's the one to pick the time, you know, to to, to bring the Messiah on the premises. But I'm going to tell you what, yeah, it was, it was fact, a rough place, that Roman Empire was. In fact, uh, let's take a, our first break. So we've been talking quite a bit about spiritual warfare in some of our texts uh, that we've been studying in, in the book of Luke. And I think there's probably no greater evidence of sort of the mental um, aspect of spiritual warfare than pornography and how the evil one has used that and, and the evil side to manipulate people in their thinking. And really, I guess, Jay, it's just to take something that God created that's beautiful for us, for humanity, his creation, and then turn it into such a deceptive, false reality. I mean, is that yeah, a it's an, it's an illusion that's, you know, exciting in a devious kind of way that right. can take over your life and it creates all these bad narratives unfortunately in our culture because the internet because of you know now so many people having devices at such younger ages more and more young people are exposed to this at a younger and younger age and it's really sad 90 percent of children ages 8 to 16 have viewed pornography online you know and that just you know obviously that's going to create a lot of problems and so our friends at uh, covenant eyes which we love these guys we love what they're doing um, we need to partner with them, but it's just for your own accountability and protection. Uh, and they're going to help you do that through all of your devices to protect your family, but also to protect you. Uh, you can sign up for free 30 days of Covenant Eyes. If you go to CovenantEyes.com, enter the promo code Phil to get you started. And there's so many great texts in the Bible about accountability, but these guys do it the right way. Free 30 days, CovenantEyes.com, enter the promo code Phil get started today yeah 
In fact, Paul, the way he put it, when times had reached their fulfillment, this man born of a woman. So, I mean, it was that time is when yep. – it's, but it's, it's how we started, and this gets us back to our text, Dad, is this situation was bad in the moment, but because of Christ, literally because of him, even his own family got better. And you were, we were talking about the movie and how we started this, how we all got here. There were scenes in the movie that when you watch it, and, of course, we all lived it, you would say, how would this ever turn out well? Yeah. You know, we we looked at your mom having mental illness, which we dealt with her whole life. You looked at us being separated from you, being afraid of you. And like you said, now we're sitting here talking about the Bible. And one of the scenes in the movie that really touched me, I guess it's because I spent most of my life working for the church, was when we were apart from you, the church took us in and set us up a place to live and took care of us. I mean, they just said, you know, we're here for you. It's the same church we're all still a part of 50 yep. years later. And now we help other people that come in just like we were. So Pretty amazing. I think ultimately it shows you that Jesus becomes that answer. So we'll, we'll, we'll shift gears, Jason, the well, text. Well, I wanted to say one more thing about that. I do think, too, it's a picture of the church. You know, when you read the book of Acts, too, you know, what he's introducing here. Just think about how much they were having in common. It said sharing their possessions, uh, eating daily together. And I think there was something about this that you're not just family, you know, on paper. He was bringing an opportunity for people to be born again, experience the kingdom, and to share. And there was one point I wanted to make that I just, that I forgot, is you remember in Mark 10, when he said, I tell you the truth, then this was over the rich young ruler. But he makes a statement that a lot of people have trouble with. But I think if you tie it into this message he was sending on who his mother and his, his brothers are, he says, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And then he puts in parentheses, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecutions. And if you just stop right there and say, well, wait a minute, hasn't he just got through talking about you got to give up everything and you, you, he doesn't have a place to lay his head. And remember in Luke six, where he's like, blessed are you when you're poor. And so you're like, well, why would he make a statement like that? And I think it's the same underlying principle that he's saying here in Luke 8. You're, you're, there's, there's something coming where you're going to be a part of a group of people called the family of God, yeah. and you are going to pick up a hundred times. Now, it may be somebody else's that they're sharing with you, but, but when you look at the big picture, that makes sense to me. Mm. It's like you're going to be a part of a community known as the kingdom of God on earth, the church, where you share what you have because out of love for me and love for each other. And so then he says at the end, and in the age to come, eternal life. So there's your your family on earth, and I mean the church, and your family in heaven, your, your forever family. I mean, I could be wrong, 
But well, I, I, I think good point. that's how he could make a statement like that. Because well, everywhere else he's saying, look, you're probably going to not have anything. But he's like, you, you're, you're going to receive a hundred times. Well, he's, he's exaggerating yeah. for a reason. It's like, well, how could I get a hundred? Why would I need a hundred houses? No, you're part of a community where there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people sharing the same vision. And when you read the book of Acts, it makes sense because they were giving everything they had. Even when you read Luke 8 at the first, these people, the the women support team, were using their means to help this operation go, which would qualify yep. as the hundreds of houses. It was another little caveat in Luke 11 that goes right along with what you're saying, Jason. Jesus is doing all these amazing things in verse 27. It says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. (laughs) You know, just a random comment from the crowd. And Jesus said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's just like that continually coming back to grounding. Like, you know, hey, my mom is great, but... Well, what we're talking about here, yeah. I, I think it's also, I mean, we, we told about the reason we made that illustration about when our family became famous, we, we just started trusting and hiring only blood kin family because other people were seeing opportunities to take advantage of the yeah, situation. Yeah, your trust, yeah. And so here we are, Jesus is becoming a celebrity, and, and I think the point that I want to make is is I'm all for, you know, being blood kin. And I've told my kids on several, when they were coming up, I was like, you know, you make the Robertson name proud. You know, we're blood kin. We're fan. I always made that. But I've now realized, you know, what I should have said is in those moments, but the blood of Jesus makes us a more dynamic family. Yep. A yep. bigger family. Yep. And it's people that don't have our last name and they may not be where we're from or they may look different from us or they may have a different story. And I think that's the precedent that he's heading towards because really his blood is going to make that family yep. that he's speaking of. Now, and it puts us all in the, on the same team. It was just like we talked about the event we did recently on before July the 4th. I mean, Missy had a vision for that. She was like, man, I'd just love to get everybody together. That I didn't agree with. No, I mean, when she first told me that, she's like, I want to invite America to our home and we're (laughs) going to shoot some fireworks and I'm going to have you speak and uh, we're going to have Jesus sharing all day on the back porch and uh, I'm even going to bring in uh, some temporary baptistries if they want to be baptized. And I was like, babe, let's be serious. (laughs) And it wasn't that I didn't think it was a good idea. I just thought you were thinking the practicality of it. The, the where are they going to park? Yeah. What if they all show up? You know, what if this is dangerous? Yeah. Of course, it was dangerous. There were too many people. But you know, in the end, which leads us to our next story, what she should have asked me was, "Where's your faith?" <laughs> That's right. That went up because I, well, I. That was my point. So my yeah. point was, she a mighty had, throng came. That's all I but look because she had a vision for it, and we are all her family, and we love her, whether we doubted it or not. We said we're in, as as a family, and everybody was there. Why? Because the kingdom was expanded that day. And yeah. people who didn't know Jesus know Jesus now. People who and a lot a, of people came to the Lord, and yeah. it was just a good. 
a morale boost for our country. Because what right. I was surprised at, Especially in these days, people drove from every state. Yeah, you know, I would say over. if you 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 drew a line from uh, you know Oklahoma, Nebraska, all you know all the way to Dakotas, you go there all the way to the East Coast, and there were a few from the West Coast, but all those states that I just described, they, they had a representative. I mean, they showed up, and a few from Canada. You know, from different countries to get in their drive vehicle. Forth doesn't mean anything to them, but and drive down here. I mean, I'm like 95 degree, which is another reason. I was like, babe, it's July. It's 95 degrees, and the humidity is 114. <laughs> you know, it's just this is a, not a good plan. Rethink this. But no, where, she was right. It was where, good. Where's your faith? I like it. Let's take another break. So, Jay's were hurtling through the summer, um, which not a lot going on in the hunting world other than preparation. Everything's about getting yeah, ready. A lot of people, they're shooting skeet, you know, yeah. and they're, they're trying to make some improvements in the off season. <laughs> which is not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. So, whether you're preparing or you're actually in hunting, one of the things you need, as Jay's alluded to, is you got to know how to uh, handle your weapon. And one of the things, of course, you have to have is a weapon that's clean uh, to be a weapon that's effective. Is that a fair statement, Jace? That's an important part of what it is. It's a responsible thing to do for us as gun owners, both to do it well, but also to be safe with those who are around us. And we've got some uh, good friends over at Barrel Buddy, one of our sponsors, uh, that have come up with a great way about cleaning your gun. And uh says here on the front of it that clean your gun without the grunge, which nobody likes grunge uh, when they're cleaning their guns. And so they come with these little white polymers. They'll fit any barrel, any shotgun, uh, from a 10-gauge on a shotgun all the way down to a 22 pistol or a 22 rifle. So everything in between, pistol, rifle, shotgun, uh, cleans everything out. You, you can see that it's clean. You can see what comes out of your, your barrel, and that's important. Uh, to know that a lot better than the old patches and the boar snake from the old days. So I want you to check these guys out. Great product, uh, great guys, great company. BarrelBuddy.com, B-A-R-R-E-L Buddy.com. Check them out. So we get to this next text, and maybe part of that is because of this, Jace. Maybe Jesus just needed to get away. The idea was, I need to go somewhere. And so here's what happens. We'll read it, and then we'll we'll dive into it. One day Jesus said to his disciples, so we're not sure if it's right on the heels of this or exactly when it was, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boat, and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Now, I think it was the Mark account says he got down below and had a cushion down there. So he's down below. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master. And anytime you get a double master, they're they're panicked. We're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. And here's the question, Jace. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. So that's, that's an interesting two you don't see very often, fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? 
He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey. Which, to my point, all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, they point to that question. Who is this? Yeah. Is he the Son of God? Is this, that's what we talked about. Another point uh, in Mark's account, they seem to to blame him in that it wasn't just we're going to drown. Aren't you concerned that we're, you know, what, right. it, it, it's... How can you be asleep? Yeah, so the question, I mean, I can look it up real quick, but it was. it seems to imply that it's like, well, don't you care about us? I mean, it's one thing for him to be calm. Right. What about us? Right. And it almost seems he's uncaring, which is kind of interesting because it's kind of like the same conversation about the family, right? They're like, don't you care about us? Is was their mindset. Um, it's interesting because when I was reading about this section, a lot of commentators and scholars talk about, this, and you've been there, Jace, the Sea of Galilee is over 600 feet below sea level. So there are these mountains that are surrounding in the surrounding area, and they have these gorges in the mountains where the, in the rivers at the bottom feed into the Sea of Galilee. So because of that, it's created sort of a, you know, we call it a tempest in a teapot. It's, it's created a situation where all that wind, especially when it's, you know, coming from north and it's colder, comes down through those passes. Well, I mean, they say when a storm blows up in here, I mean, it can be fast and fierce. Yeah. Is what most people say. Just just the region itself. So I'm sure that's what's happened here. Well, it's a, it's a weird scene. You know, when I was there, it looks smaller from a distance. Because, you know, out there, you can see for miles and miles and miles and right, miles. Right, because it's all open. Well, and it's just the hills, yeah, the way the lay of the land is. So you look at the Sea of Galilee, but when you get on it, which we did, we took a boat ride. I mean, a quite lengthy one, and uh, in, in a in an old uh, gopher wood type of boat, you know, and just it was uh, really surreal. But you realize, because me, uh, the hunter in me, thought to myself, if a storm came up, ain't nowhere to hide. There's no stumps. There's no. And it's bigger than it looks. There, there's no. Well, I'll swim to the shore. No. You're just. You're in bad. So I do think it did help me realize that if I was in the middle of that, you're just dead. I mean, there's no, literally, no. What are you gonna do? Yeah. You can't touch the bottom. There's nothing to. It's like a little ocean. Yeah. In 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 a valley. Were there pretty good waves just from being? Oh oh, yeah, yeah. There was big waves out there. Because you had wind, right? We were out there. Yeah, and it was the wind wasn't blowing that hard, but it was. Wasn't like it was I was on a cruise ship, you know. I mean, yeah. they try to make it, yeah, you experience for reasons like this, right? Because we were going for the true experience. What if you were in that boat out there and a big violent storm? Well, you would be a little more concerned than usual because there's you're, you're helpless, is what you are. What got me was is that it's not like I mean, not all the apostles, but four of them were seasoned fishermen who had spent a lot of time on the water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they knew their way around. You know, they've been through a storm or two, you know, just fishing because we all have. We were the same way here on the river. 
But this one would had to be particularly bad because you don't get the idea that anybody was saying, "Oh, we're fine, we're okay." I mean, well, except Jesus sleeping. Except, and I think there's a sermon in there about the reason he's sleeping is because this is the power that he formed. Yeah, just think about that. Right. We're when a you see a storm, that power is on loan from God. Right. He created this place. Yep. And the only reason a storm is a problem is because that we're perishable. I mean, a storm is not bad. It it only becomes bad if you're in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. It's like if oh, you weren't yeah. perishable, well, what are you worried about a storm for? Right. It's not a storm. It, it's a storm, but it's not. It has no threat. Yeah. The danger's coming in that because we're not. We, we can't hold up under this kind of power. But I'm saying the reason he's asleep is this power is, is on loan from God, and Jesus is the Son of God, so he's calm. I mean, there, there's a lesson in there. There is. So just to set that up, Jay, so I, I wrote these down. Jesus, because now this is something new in one sense of him exerting his authority or power over this storm. Um, as you just mentioned. Well, and before you read that, I meant to read this. In Mark's version, it says, uh, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Yeah. So, which that's not a good question. No, that's right. Just think about that. Yeah. You're right, because it takes the implication that he didn't care. Right? That's what, that's what we do to Jesus. When something bad happens, we, we're like, well, well, I thought you loved me. Yeah. You know, uh, the verse that popped in my head was that, isn't that John 16, uh, I think 30-something, I'll look it up. But it says, when Jesus said, you will have trouble. And then he says, but I have overcome the world. Yeah. Well, we we tend to think, if you've overcome the world, why do I have trouble? Yeah. But he says the exact opposite. You will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. So it's like, don't worry. Don't stress that. Don't look at me and say, well, don't you care? I mean, he's being on it. You're going to have trouble. Now, in this case, he calmed the storm. But in in most situations, hey, you're in the storm. But you know in the back of your mind, he has overcome the world. Right. I mean, we're not going to be led around by our emotions uh, due to dangerous things because at, at one time or another, we're, we're going to die. It's right. going to happen. What he said, this, I think this is where you're talking about, uh, John 16, 31. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, but my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but have heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah, have heart, and you will have peace, because that's what you know. his message to the storm was. Yeah, peace. What did he say? Peace be still? Well, that was another. Yeah, I'll find it. Yeah, that was another. Yeah, P- yeah in, uh, in Mark. Mark's version it says, peace be still. So, yeah, he, he you, you find a peace even though. You're going to have trouble, even though you're going to go through the storm. I mean, this is like, for a spiritual analogy, this is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's with you in the storm yeah. and he's calm, okay, 
So he 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 showed peace be still, but the same Jesus is in us through his spirit now, and it's going to be stormy. That's why I thought of the John 16. Yeah. He's like, take heart. There's going to be trouble. You're going to scatter. It's going to get ugly. Right. Of course, they all die horrible deaths. They're all persecuted from every conceivable angle from that day forward. Yep. But they had a peace about them. You know why? Because they realized this is what we do. We're literally going to imitate Jesus' life. Right. He died, was buried, and raised. We're going to die in his name. It had been and we're gonna so be much. Buried, it and we're finally gonna was raised. enough for them to say. Well, I got news for you. We're going to die and be buried and raised. We're, we're all going to imitate what he did. Right. Now, you have a choice. You want to do it for Jesus, or do you just want to die, be buried, and raised, and then suffer the consequences? You know, I would rather take on the lifestyle of Jesus. Everybody ends up with a with a mark. I yeah. mean, what, what kind of what kind of woman was she? What kind of yeah? There's even a resurrection of the wicked. I'm gonna do it for fill in the blank. But it, let's take another break. So uh, one of the things that uh, you appreciate about being in your own house and your own bed is kind of having your comfort, Jay. just, you know, the comfort of your own place. Is that, yeah, a, is that a, I mean, you do a lot of travel these days, right? I mean, it is It is a very powerful incentive to get back home. It's nice to be home. And one of the things we love about home, uh, on all of our beds, we have bowl and branch sheets. But you don't think about sheets really, Sort of, they're sort of the offensive linemen of the comforts of life because you don't think about them unless something's wrong with them. Unless they don't fit, unless they're dirty, unless they're not, you know, they're not very comfortable. I, just, well, I remember appreciating the fact that I had some. <laughs> the fact you even have them. That's right. Especially the way we grew up. Uh, you grew up on a couch with no sheets. Yeah. So uh, Bowling Branch, uh, softest, most luxurious sheets made. Uh, they use the finest 100% organic cotton. Um, natural unmatched softness, which we love about them. Um, they have a lot of reasons why they're so great, but everybody has reviewed them really well. They have no toxins, no chemicals, all the bad stuff that goes into a lot of sheets. Best of all, they offer a 30-night worry-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. So you got nothing to lose to try Bowling Branch sheets. I promise you're going to love them. We love ours. Sleep better at night with Bowl and Branch sheets. You get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code ROBERTSON at bowlandbranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch, bowlandbranch.com. Use the promo code Robertson. Exclusions apply. See their site for details. But it shows you the power of doubt. Again, not only in this situation, because what they what he tells them is you should have seen me sleeping and known we were fine. But you didn't. But then it made me think about the time. Remember the time he comes walking across the lake, and there's it's it's also yeah. you know, a bit stormy. And then Peter gets out and he walks and it says he at first he's walking, you know, and then all of a sudden he sees the waves and it begins to doubt and he starts to sink. I mean, like Jesus is like, why again? He said, "Why did you doubt? You saw me doing it, so it's doable." But, but I think he's sympathizing. Yeah, yeah, he does. It, it, human nature. Waves in a, in a small body of water, this one is considered, it's big enough to where you're like, we're not going to make it here. It's human nature. We don't belong on the water. In I terms mean, of, Al, we, we the number one uh, 
invitation I give in all my speeches and all the sermons, all the events, is I always say the same thing. You need to go live like Jesus, not in here. You know, when we get to the invitation, people usually try to get them to come down. And I'm not a big in-the-moment guy, which I know I don't want to get into that because I'll probably get flack for it. But I'm doing it because of the parable of the sower. Yeah. I'm like, some people make flash-in-the-pan decisions over Jesus, and they, and they don't last. You know, I'm more concerned about how you're going to hold up out in the world living out loud for Jesus. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. It's it easy to act like a Christian in church. You don't even have to be a Christian. You can act like one and be a million miles away. It happens every Sunday. Trust me. Yep. But when you go out there in your inner circle and your worldly friends, because I went through that. You know, mm-hmm. When I was a teenager and I came around, that was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life was navigate that. And the only thing that ever worked is when I just said, I don't care anymore what you think about me. And I went on the attack. Now, when I did that, that moved the needle and them. They started getting away from me (laughs) (laughs) as quickly as possible, which hurt me because I I was trying to win them. And then eventually it did win them, but it just took some time for them to find their bottom or whatever. But my only point is that's, I think, should be our primary concern because it's not going to do any good to whip somebody up into a frenzy because they're scared to go to hell and you convince them, you know, that Jesus is right. But then when they go out to their real life and their real world, if they're not being serious about putting their faith and trust in Jesus, because it's going to get stormy. It's going to get difficult. Life just happens. That's the real challenge for us. And I think that's what he was trying to train them. I think so, too. And it is one of those situations where it is, you know, Jesus is a man. He's still the maker. He made it all, too. He's a man. He's living. He's sleeping in the boat. It, I mean, you wouldn't think the maker and the creator of the universe would need to sleep, but he's a man. He's tired. He gets up under the thing. He sleeps. Storm, no storm. He's a maker, but he's also a man. And it's interesting because we don't really feel like we belong there. And we don't. Like the reason you go into the water, we can't breathe in the water. That's why the water is scary. We can't live there. You know, these sharks, the lady has these shark bites and says, oh, it's a shark infestation. No, they live there. It's a human infestation into their world. We yeah. all get out and wait around it. And then people, somebody gets bit and they're like, what is it with all the sharks? It's like, well, they live there. We don't. We're land people. We have to live on land to breathe. So even this situation, Jesus is the maker. He made both land and sea. Mm. So he's showing that authority. So here, here was the, some of the verses. So he showed he had authority over the synagogue in Luke 4. Remember when he first starts out, he's like, oh, he read that text. He said, by the way, this is me that's talking about. He had authority over demons in Luke 4. He had well, a, and the one we're fixing to read next. Right, and we got that coming again. He He's already shown one sense of authority over nature in Luke 5 because of that massive fish catch. I mean, whatever he did, he sent he, he created or sent these all these fish into that net. He was already oh, showed them point. You know, that they he had some bit of control over nature. Well he raised the uh the dead son. Then you got death, this Luke seven. You got disease. There's three different cases where he's healed a disease. He's shown his authority over the Sabbath, remember back in Luke six. And 
this is the biggest one of all. He showed his authority over sin because two different times in Luke, he's already forgiven people their sins. And, so, and he healed a paralytic in, in the, and he forgave his sins. Right. Double. Double dip. That's a pretty good day for him. <laughs> so my point is, part of this is him continuing. Now this is a storm, the winds, the waves. But he's continuing to show his authority over all these things. This is all part of his process. Well, I think, too, Al, you bring up a good point. Because you go back and you think about Luke investigating this. This storms happen. You, you wouldn't think they would throw something in here like this. You know, they'd be telling you all the narratives of what's going on the Jew, from the Jewish perspective, and his family's having difficult with this, and he's doing all these miracles, and he's preaching the message of the kingdom, and John's in prison. This is all working. And then all of a sudden, from nowhere, they're going across the Sea of Galilee, and a, you know, a tornado comes up. <laughs> but in real life, that's what happens. Yep. You're, I mean, we've had so many storms down here. The, the last hurricane, I mean, the the only hurricane that came to North Louisiana was this one. Was it the last one or the one before? Yeah, they're usually a tropical depression by the time they get to North Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Was that the one was before. The, it's about four years ago. Yeah, that was the first one. It was two in a row. That was a hurricane status. Now, I get it. They came up with a chart on whether it's officially a hurricane or which number it how, is. How high the wind so, is. So, look, it was the most violent hurricane that came through here i mean we lost me and my next door neighbor lost 13 trees in, in with that in one 24-hour period right and uh i'm sitting there watching them fall and and, and you make these are big uh, trees big trees the wind my, was 75 and 80 miles an hour which yeah. is a category and guess one what hurricane. my wife was sleeping like a baby and I thought about this story. I thought, well, you must be a lot closer to the Lord than I am, you know. Because every time one of them trees hit, I kept thinking, there's no way. This going to keep that, missing the house. Yeah, I'm like, how does 13 trees fall, you know? And they all, now, I mean, they hit our house, glancing blows. And, yeah. I mean, it cost me a lot of money to repair. But no direct life-threatening hit, you know. So I was, I was thankful. But even if it would have happened... Because I thought, man, I should have left. I mean, that was my first impression. I'm like, this is just dumb. What am I doing here? I mean, there's literally a tree fall, falling every hour. And you're just like, please don't fall on me. And, but it could have. I mean, they were falling left and right. But even that's, I think that's when you find a piece about that, yeah. that you're like, okay, I obviously didn't make a good decision because they, they're never that strong by the time. If I said seeing that storm. And saw what he did to just all of a sudden to go calm and all that. At that point, I would say, I'm going with him. Here. <laughs> yeah. I, said, well, I mean, I'm all in. Let's take our last break. But, but that's it, my point. That's why I found a peace in that. I think you do that with everything. I mean, even going back to some, you're talking about what made me think of it's when you said when he put those fish out there. You know, I think we get a false sense of, sense of uh, understanding on some of these stories. When he told them to leave their nets, and I think we kind of somehow another thing, oh, well, just you know, leave everything and go into the ministry. You know, I remember thinking that at first because 
because the people who were recruiting me to go to that yeah. school, they used that sa- very same verse. Oh, yeah. Well, now that I've studied the Bible more, no, that was not his point. That every you know encounter means you immediately go out of business, you know, and but it might mean that no matter what happens, you can't put this business of catching fish in front of me. Yep. And, and you may be willing, to, you know, have to risk risk that. And and I think it's the same thing with this storm. You don't want to be stupid, and and you know I look at what these these tornado chasers do as a bit brash. It, it'll probably get them at yeah. some point if you keep chasing tornadoes. Well, it may you may look catch up one. It, yeah, if it, <laughs> if you catch it, you're dead. But uh, my point is, you find a sense of peace though in that that you're not going to worry about this kind of stuff. And and that's what his question is. Where's your faith? And it's the same principle about there's nothing wrong with going out there and providing for your family and being a hard worker and all, but you got to realize in the back of your mind, you're working for the Lord. So if there comes up a situation, and that's where temptation comes in, where you start cutting corners that are not character-driven or you know, are just flat-out sinful, well, you draw the line because you, you left the nets and you're following him. It's, it's how you prioritize how life is going. So, and part of that, what makes us different from other people is we should be more calm during a storm because of who we are in Jesus is my point. And I've always been uh, fearful of certain kinds of storms. You know, it's funny, we live in hurricane zone here in the Southeast, but I've never been that fearful. I mean, one is because of Jesus, but two is because you know, I can get my car and drive away. You watch it coming, you you know. I mean, now... They got people that fly into it and tell you exactly what it's doing. But what always got me was the tornado. Now, a lot of our listeners up in Oklahoma and all those areas, now those scare me because they seem to just drop out of nowhere. Yep. Yeah. And, and you even see a lot of them in the Bible. That's why you were talking about the Storm Chaser, Jay. That movie, it, it, I'm not, most movies don't scare me because they're not real. They're about things that, can't ha- that don't happen or can't happen. But that movie, Twister, that was a good movie. That scared me because yeah. I was like, that happens. I mean, like, they, you get one of those big F5s. Oh, oh. I mean, well, it leaves things that even on our property that, that, uh, the hurricane didn't cause, cause that the, the worst thing that happened to the landowners when that tornado went through there. Right. It looked like, you know, like God took a, a weed eater. And just a, sawed the, off oak trees, you know, bigger. You couldn't put your arms around. It just looked like somebody went, Broop. yep, just a whole section, and just weed-eated massive trees to the ground. Yeah, and you're like, you talking about power? Of course, there's a lot in the Psalms about that. I think they what call came it, out of uh, all that is the debris was removed by some timber people. I said, I'll give you the trees. They're already down. You don't have to saw them down. They're lying there. I said, just take them, take them up. But down here, clear me out a spot, and I showed them about 30 acres. So we call it the prairie. I just took the timber, gave it to the loggers. They said, that's a pretty good deal. I said, sure. I said, when you're down in this section here, here's about 30 acres. I've painted the big trees. You don't cut them in this section. You get all your trees that's already blown down. We'll go down here. I don't want you to cut them down. 
but get it down, just save the, the big ones. So now we have an area out there you just pull up and look. We planted duck feed out there, and it's all good. It's the prettiest thing you ever seen. I turned it into a great place to go duck hunting. Yeah. Got a duck blind on it. We're sitting there, and they got it planted. Well, that was that was like this tree. Is, they out, removed all that and buried the stumps. So you can't even tell if a tornado went on through there now. Yep. yep. Well, and what I'm saying the is. The guy said, you give them to us? I said, I'll give them to you. I said, but you got to make me a duck hole. And that's the trade-off. So they, to, they they went for it. To Jace's point about how powerful they were, there was one recently up in, I think it was northern Alabama, and I was talking to a guy that one of his kinfolks, this tornado came and hit their hit their property, and it took his truck. You know, I mean, it sucked his truck up into this thing. Think about how heavy a truck is. You know, in about two counties over, they found the engine block. Of the truck. Now you just stop thinking about that for a minute. Not only did it pick it up, it pulled everything yeah. off of it and deposited an engine block two counties away. Could yeah. it be that God is just showing you his power, or, or is it just... Well, you know, you talk, I mean, to, a, a, you talk to a meteorologist, they give you all the weather things, but we all know the Almighty made it. Oh, so look, listen to this. You ain't going to believe this. So I find a bird band with my metal detector. Six inches under the ground, you know, issued by the government. I mean, I've shot some. They're rare to shoot yeah. a, a, a band on a duck. We call it duck jewelry, you know, and they, they keep up with it. So I was given an explanation, speaking of thunder and storm. Yeah. We started uh, talking the, about the Almighty, it. <laughs> the Almighty said, I'm listening. That's his, that's his saying. <laughs> Just give you a rumble. So where I'm, I I'm still here. Where I found this bird band, there was no signs of civilization. There hadn't been anybody lived there in a hundred years, and it was there was no. Uh, it wasn't in a place, and it turned out to be a goose. So I'm like, so the question is, how did they get there? It wasn't like they were hunting. It wasn't near, you know, a place where you goose hunt. And so I told a story that we saw, and the people I was telling this story to, they did not believe me. But I said, one day, I, I forgot where we were. I think we were in Kansas, but a storm had come through, and there was a tornado, and and uh, we were driving along, and for as far as you could see, you'd see a little piece of white. And when you went out there and looked, these snow geese were dead by the thousands. That's right. And they were four to eight inches under the ground. And I thought maybe it was a storm because I was in Southern Louisiana where this happened. Yeah. And I thought maybe this goose that had a band got caught up in a, you know, hurricane or tornado was hurled to the ground because I saw that. You remember that? It was the strangest thing I've ever seen because yeah. in Kansas, everything's flat and you can see for miles. I remember. And it was, they were, they had penetrated. They had come down with that storm with such force that they went six inches under the ground and were dead. Yep. So the Almighty is basically saying our podcast is over <laughs> with this theatrics of thunder. Where's your faith, Al? We're out of time, uh, so we will go in overtime. And hope it we, is interesting. And hope we, just, we make we got, it. We got on the, <laughs> the thunder. 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 <laughs> so we're going to go to overtime and try to finish this up. BlazeTV.com slash Unashamed is where you can find us. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. 
And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.